Friday and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. When you use the discount code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show, you save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. So again, visit the website, whether it's Kratom, Delta 8, CBD, use the discount code Colby Show for 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, guys, I am super excited for UFC 257 on Saturday night, as well as the championship games on Sunday. My guest today is Will Brewer. Will Brewer, what's going on? This feels like a UFC 257 pre-fight show, although it's only Friday, but I feel like it's fight day as far as my excitement level. I am super excited for this entire card, especially the main card and especially the main event, but uh, the whole thing is going to be outstanding. Before we jump into all the MMA stuff, i got to share a story real quick. So... This afternoon, the sun is shining. It is a beautiful day in the state of Oklahoma, which we haven't had very many of uh, in the last, what, like month, it feels like. I mean, we've just had a ton of bad weather. So the the sun is shining. It's not so cold that it's just unbearable to be outside. So I decided I was going to get some stuff done out in the yard that that needed attention. Uh, We still have, I mean, just miles, I feel like, of broken tree branches and tree trunks and limbs from that storm like three months ago. So I'm still like burning a lot of that stuff off and still like cleaning up around the property. And we have a, you know, we have so many trees. It's just, uh, it's a big task. And basically everybody in our neighborhood is still like in the cleanup process. Cause there's just so much, uh, to be done. So I, I thought, you know what, I'll go, I'll, I'll get out of the house for a little bit this afternoon. I'll get some of this cleaned up. So I started, I have a big fire pit in the backyard, so I, I started a fire and started throwing stuff into the fire pit, all these tree branches and limbs, and uh, I've so I've been doing that pretty frequently for the last, like, three months, and uh, I was doing it again today, and so I'm, the, 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 the wind is blowing, not bad, but in one direction, just a little breeze, it's, you know, nothing significant, so I'm standing on the, the side of the fire where the wind is at my back, so the, the, smoke is blowing away from me right right and that's that's where i'm throwing these tree limbs and tree branches in from that side and like i said it's not like a wind it's not like gusting it's just a little breeze so it's nothing significant anyway so all of a sudden i was probably standing closer to the fire than i than i should have been but again i was on the back side of it so i i wasn't really worried about there being any danger i don't know what happened but all of a sudden it was like a crosswind came in like from the other direction, like it was just like this, this singular gust comes in from the other direction and like just lights the fire and the flames probably shoot about three or four times as high back out the other side. And I'm not even kidding you. If you ever, if you've ever heard the term flame kissed, my face got flame kissed. Like I'm not even, this flame like came at me and like, I was like, like I had the, Oh shit. Like, Oh, damn. You know, like, because you see it coming, and it just, like, kind of, like, reaches out, and, like, it was almost like it just, like, snapped me in the face. And I, like, kind of, like, jumped back for a second, and then all of a sudden, I smelt hair burning. Oh, And I'm my like, God. oh, shit. I thought, I like, I, I think I'm on fire, and so, like, there's a little bit of smoke coming from my head. Oh, my God. So, I, like, you know, I'm patting myself down to make sure I'm not oh on fire. God. I run into the house, and as I look in the mirror, 
my eyebrows, my eyelashes, and then the front part of my hair all got like singed. And it, oh so like, God. you can't see it right now on the camera. Thank God. Like I looked at the camera right before we started to make sure it, it, it wasn't showing up very well, but like there's a bronze like color to the end of my eyelashes and eyebrows. And then up here because of where the, the flame, like kind of like burnt the hair. Oh my gosh, man. It was crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. A flame kiss. Flame kiss. I got flame kissed. Yeah. It, it, it was just the craziest thing ever. This was a small, small fire. I mean, it wasn't burning more than like, I mean, the top of the flames were maybe three feet high. Jesus. So it was a very small fire. It wasn't big at all. And then all of a sudden, like I said, there was a little breeze going the other direction. And then like this crosswind came in out of nowhere, like the other way. And just like all of a sudden, like flames like shot back at me. It was crazy. Did you, do, did you do anything to make Mother Nature mad? I mean, is there anything that you want to <laughs> Not that I can think of, but then again, I mean, maybe maybe I did something unknowingly and that was the that was the revenge. That was the revenge, yeah. yeah. Man, that's that's insane. <laughs> yeah. It was intense, man. It was intense. So so I had to come in and like I had to wash my hair and my face like three times because I could just smell the burnt hair. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like I said, like, especially on my eyelashes, that's the part that looks the craziest because like the very end of them, they're, they're like shiny copper colored from like where the flame, like just, and they're kind of crispy at the end too. Well, man, you look great. On Thank camera. you. Oh Thank you. Yeah. You I look fantastic. If you would have, if you would have asked me, I wouldn't have never thought that you had got flame kiss. So you look fantastic. Oh yeah. And that's after I, I, I told this story earlier in the week on the podcast, but I got this uh, this little contraption that's supposed to it's like a suction that's supposed to clean blackheads and stuff out of your pores and like dead skin cells and all this. And um, I overdid it on that earlier in the week, and so it looked like I had just like wiped my face down with poison ivy for like three days. <laughs> so it's been a it's been a tough week. It's been a tough uh, week, man. It's been a tough week. And I noticed yeah, you man. got your ass kicked. Ah oh, man. It's- wasn't even like that, man. I mean, I play I play basketball every week, but um, <laughs> this particular week I was having a good game. You know, I was, uh, you know, hitting a, a lot of threes, and you know, I might have been saying a few choice words. You know, um, you know, feeling myself a little bit. So um, I guess I might have said a little one too many words, and uh, uh, the shot goes up. Um, but, um, getting boxed out for the rebound. Next thing you know, elbow right to the lip. Oh, and, uh, yeah. So I tried to I tried to act like I got knocked in the next week. I did all the flapping the LeBron s type moves. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. And the rep didn't call a foul or nothing. He just let me lay there, and then I showed him my lip, and uh, he's like, "Oh, so you re- you were flopping? You really did?" I was like, <laughs> yeah, "Yeah, I guess so." I mean, it's just you know a little blood, but you know. Yeah. It's all good, so I'm still feeling the effects of it, but we're here. We're, we're here. here. Yes. <laughs> it's Friday, and uh, we got a big weekend ahead. All right, so before we jump into this this uh, UFC card, and like I said, I've been geeked about this all day. Like, I woke up this morning. Obviously, they're doing the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins and everything, and, and I didn't even watch any of the press conference yesterday either, so I watched that today as well. So I watched the press conference and then the weigh-in. So I'm like super like jazzed up about this thing. But 
we've got a review because we did our picks last week. And um, to be honest, neither one of us was very good. But you you did get one more fight than me, and you got it in a big point value spot. So you've got a lead. And then we had uh, we didn't do we didn't pick the Wednesday night card the or the, I should say Wednesday morning card the the uh, Kiesa Magni uh, fight night card. Right. But uh, we text back and forth that we were going to put a point in our pick'em on the main event Magni Kiesa. I took Neil Magni, obviously. You took Kiesa. Kiesa gets the point. So you currently have an eight to two lead. Woo! Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm out the gate strong, man. That's out of the gate strong. And, and now it's going to allow me to, you know, take take a little bit of risk. Take some risks, know? yeah. Yeah, t- see see what happens <laughs> going forward. But yeah, man. Um, the I just felt like uh, Kiesa was going to be able to take Magni into the deep waters, and uh, sure, and he did. Magni kind of um, doesn't perform well in big fights, so. Um, I picked against him and it worked out. I wasn't confident. In you can it, say but... that again. He, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was. I, I, I wasn't confident in it, but Hey, I'll take it. I will take it. I like even today after watching the fight and after watching Magni get completely dominated, I still stand by my opinion of that fight. Like I think Magni's style could be a problem for Kiesa. The problem is Magni fought Kiesa's fight. I'm like, what the yeah. hell is this guy doing? It just, it made no sense to me. Magni didn't fight his fight at all. I mean, the, his last couple fights against uh, uh, Lee Jingliang and Robbie Lawler, that, those were completely different fights. Right. I don't know if he was trying to preserve his, his tank, his gas tank, or prove a point that he was better than Kiesa in certain areas, but he completely fought Kiesa's fight, and it cost him. Uh, yeah. dearly. It definitely cost him. Yeah, he was dominated. I mean, it was, uh, it was, yeah. it was tough to watch when you uh, bet on Magni to, to just, like <laughs> – see him continually do exactly what Kiesa wants him to do. And I'm like, what are you doing? Come on. But dude, that was awesome to wake up Wednesday morning. What I think eight o'clock the thing starts and you know, I've got my coffee and my feet kicked up and I've got the card starting and it was, it was badass. I mean, the, the fights out of the gate were exceptional. Absolutely. The fights, um, from top to bottom. I mean, the, the names on the card, you might not have recognized them, but by the time that fight was over, the night was over, or the morning was over, goodness. I mean, so many uh, great fights, great knockouts, uh, and then capped off by uh, Neil Magny. And then even the even the second or third prelim uh, that had, uh, I believe his name is uh, Matt Jones. Yeah, yeah. Man, that, that fight was amazing. Or uh, it might have been Mason Jones. But yeah, that fight was awesome. One fight of the night. And then... Uh, uh, who's the, who's the kid, uh, from, uh, England that you said you liked? Oh, Lerone Murphy. Lerone Murphy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He looked outstanding too, man. In a, in a, in a tough one, I guess a good, I guess a good opponent in uh, Douglas Silva. So, I mean, it was a great card capped off by Michael Chiesa, uh, got my point. So I think I left that one a little happier than you, but yeah, it was still a good sure. morning of fights. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, I, losing one point wasn't going to uh, dampen my spirits on Wednesday morning, Absolutely. having having the UFC to watch and, and, like you said, entertaining fights. I mean, out of the gate, we got uh, good stuff, and, and it was like that basically all day long. So that was a ton of fun. Um, looking back at last Saturday, you know, we talked about how big this opportunity was for the UFC to be on ABC, to have that platform, to have that many new people watching. 
And I don't think it could have gone better, to be honest with you. I mean, when you look at what happened on the main card, the first three fights, all three underdogs win, all three win by first-round finishes. Uh, you know, I think for the people that aren't super into UFC, I think the thing I hear most is they they think it's boring and they don't like the grappling and the wrestling and the you know the hugging for, for five minutes at a time and... You didn't really get a lot of that on this card. I mean, you had you had stand-up just battles, especially early in the fight, and then the main event, um, you know, you and I were texting back and forth. That was a I, – I, I was so looking forward to that fight. I mean, you're talking about two world-class strikers, and to see one of them put on the show that he did, it, it's – it's. I mean, even almost a week later, I'm still wowed by what happened, and, and I, I think it's probably – it's one of the most special performances I've ever seen, honestly. The UFC couldn't have scripted this card any better. The first three fights, underdogs get knockouts. Then you get two legends like Condit and Brown going back and forth, going at it, and it was a great fight. But for the main event to go the way it did, for Max Holloway to go out there and and just paint a, a masterpiece like that, that was one of the most amazing performances of all time. I got, I have to say, I mean, it was all stand-up. And once Max gets going, man, it's... His pace, like yeah. it's re- it's relentless, man. And it was something that Calvin just, you know, from the beginning, he just kind of seemed like, okay, like when is this gonna, you know, when am I gonna get be able to get started? You know, Max never let him breathe, and it was he was always on his back foot, pushing him back. And Calvin wasn't able to really get anything off. Anything that he did get off, it was kind of like, okay, like you've hit me so many times, I'm gonna at least just throw a couple at you and see if I can land. So I mean, Max. Max put it on him, and then he's he's talking to the to the commentators in the uh, in the championship rounds, not even breathing heavy, just yelling at him like I'm the best boxer and piecing him up like, at the same time. And throws a no look punch that landed flush, <laughs> and then dodges punches, looking at DC and these guys going backwards. Like I've never seen anything like it, man. I'm you know I'm supposed to be laying down and relaxing, enjoying my Saturday, but Max had me on my feet, and I'm over here yelling. And going crazy, so I mean, it was incredible, man. You know all the the memes where the dad is like standing in front of the television in the living room. That was me on Saturday. Like I right. couldn't sit down. I'm just like <laughs> literally standing right in front of the television. Like I, I just I was I was so excited. There was no way I could sit down and and enjoy that fight. But like the longer that thing went on, it was crazy to me because if you remember the Max Poirier fight, there was obviously a big difference in the power. And and you, every time Dustin landed, you could you noticed how impactful those shots were on Max. And look, it didn't stop Max from fighting his fight. And Max pressured that entire way. And Max threw everything that he generally does. I mean, it was it was one of those things where even though he didn't get knocked out, he felt the power from Dustin Poirier, and that was the difference in the fight. I thought that this would be a similar situation where I thought both guys would throw a whole bunch. I thought. Max was probably get the better of him from a volume standpoint, but I also thought when Cater did get him, like the Poirier situation, you would you would see the difference in the power. And the thing is, Cater did hit him a few times with some good shots, and Max was completely unfazed by anything that that Calvin did in that fight, which was maybe maybe the the singular most impressive thing is that he ate a couple shots on the chin and and never never even sh- shook right like so. That part of it on its own, I think, is super impressive. But when you add on the fact that he threw whatever, the, I don't even remember the the insane number now, 
goodness. But the amount of shots that he threw, and it felt like everything that he threw was hitting home. I mean, it, he, he rarely missed in that fight, and he set a record for strikes thrown. I mean, think about that. Not just the amount that he threw being a record, but the fact that like he it felt like he landed every single one of them. Um, I, I don't know that I could just sit here and tell you right now that there's ever been a UFC fight, or an MMA fight for that matter, that has impressed me more with one guy just being that good for that period of time with that kind of output. I mean, that was a once-in-a-lifetime, I think, uh, type of, of fight. And, and I, I remember texting you at one point, maybe like around the third round, and I, I said something along the lines of, Max Holloway is a Hall of Famer, and this, and he's never looked better than today. This is the best he's ever looked. And he's a Hall of Famer before that fight even took place. Absolutely. He's a, he's automatically a Hall of Famer. One of the best, if not the best, featherweight the UFC's ever seen. But we kind of took for granted Max Holloway because of what Alexander was able to do. And that just goes to show how good Alexander is. Yeah, for sure. The fact that he was able to get uh, <clears throat> to beat Max twice. But it was kind of to the point where we we're thinking he's lost twice. Maybe it's time, you know, maybe Max just doesn't have it anymore. You know, maybe... It's time for these new uh, underdogs to come up. But Max, he, like, man, y'all, we must have forgot, man. Like, Max is still, he's still that dude. He's still letting everybody know, I'm still that guy. I'm still the king. Um, Alexander might have got that decision, but I'm still here. And I and I want him whenever he's ready. So, I mean, and, and I thought, I thought this fight was coming up. I thought that Dustin hit Max with some unbelievable shots, but... I wasn't sure if Calvin was be, was going to be able to affect him like that. I mean, I knew that he was dangerous. I felt like he might be able to uh, to, to knock him down maybe, but I just felt like Max is so tough and he's felt power from other guys that he's that he's going to be familiar with uh, Cater's with Cater's uh, Cater's attack. So I was kind of leaning towards Max just being able to inch out a decision, yeah. not just wipe the floor with him, but right. I was thinking maybe right. he'll beat him. 49, 46, you know, 48, 46, something along the lines of that. I, I was expecting a close fight. I was expecting Cater to be able to get some offense off. But Max completely from, from one to five, it was the same thing. And by the rounds, he got stronger. He got faster. I mean, and by the third round, I mean, these combinations, I mean, they started off as like one, two, three, one, two, three, four. By the third, fourth round, they're 10, 11, yeah. 12, like – He's going off, and I'm just like, goodness, man. And then you get to the totals, and he's he's thrown over 700 strikes and landed over 400. It's yeah, it was incredible. It, I've never seen anything like it. It's incredible. Cater's a slow starter, so the first round was, I think, as anticipated. Uh, the the problem was, I think everybody felt like as the fight went on, Cater was going to get better, and it would become more of a fight. And and unfortunately for Cater. As the fight went on, the gap between he and Max continued to grow and grow and grow. I mean, Max was the one that was getting consistently better. Uh, his pressure, obviously, his speed and quickness. Um, you know, Cater was just on a different level that day than, than Max and and had no answer for what Max was throwing at him. And, you know, again, I, I think maybe, you know, I, I was talking about the, the comparison with Calvin and Dustin and the power the one thing that you have to credit Dustin that, that really Calvin doesn't have is Dustin can hit you with those power shots, but Dustin, just like Max, is also going to hit you with volume 
Whereas, you know, Calvin obviously is not a, a volume guy. So that's probably the one aspect that maybe I overlooked when, when kind of comparing those two fights and maybe thinking they could be similar. Uh, but I, I like, I'm just, I almost feel speechless. Like, what do you say about Max Holloway in that fight that hasn't been said already? Or that like, I, I don't know. It just almost all feels like hyper hyperbole because it's just like, so I mean, it was just, it was like one of the all time great performances I've ever seen. Like, and we say that sometimes about, you know, things in sports all the time. We call almost everything is referred to as great these days. And maybe everything doesn't deserve to be called great. But that truly was, I mean, if, arguably the, the greatest thing I've ever seen from an individual. That was, that was as flawless of a performance. I mean, from start to finish, the fact that he was never really in any type of danger I mean, it was really just Max just putting on a clinic from from bell to bell, and Calvin had no answer. I mean, I mean, I guess the only answer that he could that he could have was, "I'm going to show you how tough I am. Yeah. I'm not going to let you get me out of there. I'm going to take all your shots, and I'm going to keep coming." I mean, that was something that not a lot of people expected because Max was hitting them over 700 times, but Calvin's still there. I mean, he was wearing it on his face, but he was still pushing forward. Uh, I mean, he still was trying to trying to get them. But Max's, you know, his pressure, um, his efficiency that night, man, it was just unbelievable. And if you thought that Max was done after that, after these uh, Volkanovski losses, we, I mean, you're you're mis- sad and mistaken. Max could uh, could definitely get this next title shot, and uh, it could be a different outcome. Yeah. And now it, he was so good. That I mean, people are talking about him potentially getting a, a shot at Khabib. You know, Khabib's yeah. wanting someone to uh, impress him. There's not, there's not going to be a more impressive performance than what Max did. Right. I mean, from bell to bell. So, who knows, man? Yeah. You never know. I don't think that ends well for Max, but uh, yeah, that's a terrible <laughs> matchup for Max. Terrible matchup. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, if if you want something special, if you want to be impressed, there's nothing has impressed me more. In my entire life, you know, the the history that I have watching this sport, nothing has been more impressive than what Max Holloway did on Saturday. So, yeah, the the Habib situation we'll obviously get into uh, because I, I think that, uh, like, when Dana was talking, I know he said certain words, but what he said, I heard, I, like, it was crystal clear in my mind what he meant by all that. So we'll go into that. Um, but just the, you know, the finishing touches on Max – you talked about the title shot. Like, I don't, if, if he stays at 145 and he doesn't go up, I there's not another fight to make. I mean, he was so good in that fight against a a rising star in that division that, I mean, I you can't go anywhere else. I mean, there's nowhere else to go for Max than a title shot if he if he's going to stay at 145. And that that performance that just put the stamp on it. Yeah. I mean, even even before, I don't I don't think Max even had to necessarily fight again. But the fact that he fought again and looked that good. You've got to give him the title shot now because he's got a history with, with Alex. Yes, he's lost to him twice, but you can sell a fight with that performance. You can sell a third fight with those guys knowing that Holloway could have potentially won that, that second fight with how close it was. And then, of course, we, we know what happened with Ortega and Holloway. It was it was kind of a similar yeah. situation with, with Cater. I mean, he, uh, he, he basically put Ortega into semi-retirement. He made Ortega uh, bounce for two years yeah. and, and completely get get his game right. And he looked great against the Korean Zombie, which is why he's getting this title shot now. But Max definitely uh, the 145 pound title shot 
that has to go to max that's absolutely next for sure no question nothing else nothing else what was your thought on that thing going five rounds because I, there's been a lot of conversation this week about what should have happened i don't think the referee should have stopped the fight um if you're in that position, it's really hard to stop the fight, even though one guy's getting dominated when the other guy's fighting the whole time. So I think from that, that perspective, the people that would criticize, who was it? Herb Dean? Right. Yeah. Um, people that would criticize Herb Dean for not stopping the fight. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Cater was throwing. I mean, every time Cater would get hit by like 10 shots, he was firing back. So um, he had the wherewithal to, to continue to attempt to defend himself. So I, I don't blame the referee for not stopping it. But if I was Cater's corner, I mean, you got to start thinking the fight was over. And you got to start thinking about when your next fight is and what the long term repercussions are. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the Ortega fight with Max because Max beat him so badly that he was out for a long period of time. At some point, you just have to say, you know what? This one's over, and we need to live to, to fight another day and live to fight again in 2021 rather than potentially being out for the rest of the year. So uh, I thought that was that was the one interesting perspective. Of, and, and I've heard multiple uh, UFC coaches, in fact, this week say that if that had been their fighter, they would have stopped the fight as well. Well, I mean, of course, the ref shouldn't be getting any criticism because uh, Cater is throwing back at Max. Max is going is going off, throwing all these shots, but Cater is, he's finding a window of time to throw back. I mean, Herb is looking at him. He's like, he's intelligently defending himself and he's throwing back. So as a ref, you can't stop it at that point because you would be robbing the fighter. But his corner, um, after about the third, especially after the fourth round. Yeah, um, after the fourth, for, for sure. <laughs> for, for sure. I mean, especially after the fourth round, you got to call that because you know after a while, there's not anything that was going to be different. I mean, Cater's going to be there. He's going to be tough. I mean, if Max couldn't get him out of there in the fourth round, I mean, he wasn't going to get him out of there in the fifth round either. But Cater, he's he's just out there being tough at this point. He's right. not he's not doing anything to make you feel like he's actually going to do something that's going to win the fight or land a, a Hail Mary to get Max out of there. And I mean, at that point, if I'm Max's or if I'm Cater's corner, I'm stopping the fight, especially after the fourth round, because yeah. there was three ten eight rounds, two or three. Yeah. I mean, and the if, especially with the fourth being a, a ten eight round, yeah, man, you gotta you gotta stop that. If if I'm Cater's corner, you gotta stop it. I mean, I know um, it probably would have broke him, you know, to see his corner stop the fight, but you gotta protect your fighter. And, and look, I get the perspective for those that say, I mean, you're only one punch away from winning it. I, I get that. And and especially with a guy like Cater that, that has that kind of ability. But it's not like Cater hadn't hit him. Cater, right. was, Cater got home a few times, and Max was completely unfazed. I mean, so, you know, if, if it had been a situation where maybe the times that Cater did hit Max and you felt like it was having any sort of impact, then maybe you let it go a little longer, hoping that one of those lands. But, I mean, he landed some flush shots that didn't slow Max down whatsoever. So, I, you know, again, I think when you look at it from that perspective, for me at least, you know, let's, let's fight again in five or six months and just stop this thing now as opposed to just continue to take the beating. And, and look, we'll see how he bounces back. But that was, uh, I mean... He he proved his toughness, like you said. I I don't know how many how many uh, 
human beings could have taken that sort of beating and and still be still have been standing at the end of it. Yeah, and and if I'm cater, I'm definitely taking a long time off. Uh, I'm taking at least five six months off just to make sure that you're good, man. You don't want to rush back in, and uh, with all the damage that he took, you don't want to rush back in, and then you're thinking about you know the, trying to get in there and trying to get it back. You know, you're not thinking about, you know, just going in there and fighting your fight. You're just don't going in there. I got to get it back. I got to look impressive. I got to do this. So I think you should take some time, uh, get his mind, get his mind right, get healthy and then come back in about five or six months uh, sometime in the summer and uh, get it back then. But uh, anytime before that, you know, it'd probably be too soon. Uh, let's, let's hit this real quick before we hit 257. So we talked about the, the Magni Chiesa fight. Um <sighs> Kiesa calls out Colby Covington after the fight was over, which I was like, I, I was actually shocked by. I, I wasn't anticipating that whatsoever, and it just kind of seems like a really bizarre matchup, actually, for Kiesa. But uh, I, I don't see that fight happening. Uh, but, I mean, what's next for Kiesa in your mind? Man. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to Colby Covington and Kiesa, I mean, I think Colby, he needs a, a partner or, opponent who's gonna talk noise back and forth with them can you imagine if Kobe and Kiesa are going back and forth I mean Kiesa uh Kiesa fought Kevin Lee in a press conference for talking about his mom I was there I was there (laughs) yeah so yeah he said he he didn't he didn't even say anything bad about his mom he just mentioned his mom yeah and then Kiesa's like don't you dare say anything about my mom don't talk about my mom yeah, don't you dare say anything about my and yeah. So, could you imagine what Kobe could say to him? So, I don't think Kobe's going to be interested in that. Um, you never know. I mean, Kobe, uh, he probably needs an opponent with Usman and Burns fighting. But I looked at the rankings, and he's the number one ranked guy. So he might just wait for the uh, winner of Usman and Burns, or get but then or get Masvidal, or get Masvidal. Yeah. So, um, which is a which is a big fight. In its, in its own right. So then you got Leon and Hamzat fighting. So it's, then you kind of look at the rankings, kind of like who who makes sense. And with Wonder Boy winning, I can see that fight potentially happening. Uh, Damian Maya is looking for uh, one more fight before he retires, so I can see that one happen. I think that's a more uh, favorable matchup for him. Um, so I mean, looking at looking at the rankings, I see Wonder Boy, or I see um, or I see Damian Maya potentially being next for Kiesa. Uh, he's looking good though. So he, he wants to uh, pick his matchup smart. He wants to have someone probably in the top five, but a lot of those guys are booked. So he's going to yeah. have to either uh, wait and see if one of those guys will fight him or uh, just find the next available guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you. I don't see Colby obviously being interested in that whatsoever. I also think it's just a, I don't know, It's that just seems like a really bad matchup from Kiesa's side of things. So, uh, but, you know, to get to the top, you got to beat the best. Uh, Colby, I think is, is going to get Masvidal or like you said, maybe he waits for Usman to, to win and you can sell that fight. If mm-hmm. Burns wins though, I don't know that Colby is the guy that would immediately get that shot. I, I think, uh, you also have to worry about the, the whole Leon Edwards, Hamzat Chemayev thing is interesting because I, the more I think about it, honestly, I think the winner of that thing has a legitimate shot to get a title title shot immediately. And, and I think from a, from a, you know, selling the fight standpoint, it makes the most sense because that fight right now is so white hot. They've rescheduled it three times. I mean, it, it would have been very easy after the last time 
for them to just go their separate ways and find different opponents for these two guys. But I think the interest level, and I, I told you, you know, how excited I was for this fight. The interest level for the contrasting styles is so interesting that I think you got to make the fight. And with that many people that excited about it, if it's a good fight at all, the winner, I think, is absolutely going to be elevated to that status. So I think that also takes those two guys maybe out of that conversation as well. Wonder Boy, to me, makes the most sense. You know, both guys coming off of big wins. And uh, I, again, I think from a uh, selling the fight standpoint, I think Wonder Boy, Kiesa just makes way more sense than Damian Maya Kiesa or anybody else that, that could be in that conversation. Right. So both of those guys, Wonder Boy and Kiesa, uh, if they want to elevate themselves to the top level of of the division, you kind of want to see how they how they how they do when there's someone opposite of them who's who does one thing a lot better. So like right. Wonder Boy's an elite striker, but Kiesa's gonna test his grappling, right? And Kiesa is an elite grappler, but Wonder Boy is a stand-up fighter. So you know what what's gonna give? You know, you want to see if Kiesa can dominate him or if Wonder Boy can stop a takedown. So, I mean, that fight, it does make sense. Uh, it would be able to let us see where those guys are at as far as the elite of the division because then you're talking about Usman and Colby and, and Burns and, and these guys who who put up a, a, a relentless pace, who are good everywhere, who can strike and grapple and uh, submit. So, um, yeah, I see Wonderboy and Kiesa being a, being a great matchup. And then with, uh, with Leon and Hamza, man, they're they're not going away from this fight. There's, I mean, they they had a golden opportunity to put Leon in the main event of uh, of of this last car, Wednesday card. They could have put Leon in there against Magny. They could have put Leon in there against Mike Kiesa. But they know what they have with this matchup. They know how um, they know how much of a star they have in Hamza. Right. So and they know if Hamza wins, that star is just going to keep going. If Leon wins, they know. All right, man, we got to get this guy a title shot. So it's an exciting matchup. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's uh, it's a good problem to have for Dana White, right? When you have Great so problem. many guys in almost every division that that uh, we have these long, drawn out conversations about what's next for the guy that's ranked like number eight. Number eight, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's a, that's a great problem for him. And you can see when he does his interviews how excited he is about this year. He's like, man, he's he's got these first five six months basically planned out, and then the backside is going to be so exciting. So. I mean, we're just now getting into it. It's, I mean, we're, we're just now getting to the first event of the, the first pay-per-view event of the year. Yeah. And we're already talking like this. So, I mean, what's, what's to come is very exciting. Think about this. For the next, what do we got? Like, I guess the next, like, 90 days. Not even 90 days. I guess it would be a little over 60 days because we're at the end of January, not at the beginning. So, from now until March 27th. So, yeah, just a little over 60 days. We have Poirier McGregor this weekend. We have Usman Burns at UFC 258. We have Blahovich Adesanya at 259, as well as Nunez Anderson at 259, and Jan uh, versus Sterling at 259. And then we have uh, Stipe and Ngannou at 260, and Volkanovski and Ortega at 260, which would be March 27th. So you're talking about seven UFC champions fighting beginning February 13th with the Usman Burns fight, seven UFC champions in action from February 13th until March 27th. And then we have 
McGregor Poirier again this Saturday, which honestly, when you consider all those fights, I don't know that this one wouldn't be my number one pick. <laughs> man, just just that lineup, man. When you're naming off all these title fights, I'm like, God, Yana Sterling's on that card, plus Amanda Nunes is on that card. Yeah. Then 260, you got uh, Volkanovski, Ortega, and then uh, uh, Francis and Stipe. Like finally, they booked Francis and Stipe. It's about time. So, oh my gosh, uh, this. These next few weeks, man, we're going to be texting back and forth. It's going to be crazy. Like, all right, how excited are you for this? Like, oh, I'm going crazy. Like, it's it's going to be exciting, man. I'm so excited. Yeah. This. Well, and, and especially after football ends, we may uh, we may end up doing two shows a week on uh, on the UFC if, if we have that sort of blockbuster star power every single weekend. But, yeah, look, it's like, like I said, you know, we talked about this going into that final card of 2020, and, you know, it was a great card, and there were a bunch of big names, and, I, you know, it was the UFC obviously giving the fans a, a thank you for, you know, everything that happened in 2020, and they killed it, man. The, the entire year was so good. The product was so good, and now all of a sudden you're in this position where in 2021 there are endless possibilities for where you could go, and, and like I said, every weight division, I think, you know, we could have a – a 10 to 15 minute conversation just about like who the number one contender should be in every weight division. That's how, that's how many quality fighters you have right now. That's, that's the, what they were able to do in 2020, just the magnitude of how many fights, how many races you were able to, to not only settle, but also create at the same time. Like it's crazy, man. It's so crazy. You, you, you start to wonder, you think, how can the UFC top 2020? Because they kind of just threw it together and then it just was so fantastic that you kind of just think like, how can they top that? Now you, but you look at 2021, you kind of look at these matchups and you're like, man, just the potential of them. Like yeah. they're absolutely going to kill it this year. And I'm so excited because from, like you said, from top to bottom, you can argue like there's so many people in the running for the, for these titles Heavyweight, there's something light heavyweight, middleweight. I mean, there's there's a there's a really big story. They're not just out there. These are big stories. All of these, all of these title fights could be headliners of big shows. But you got some who are you know superstars and everything. And then you're gonna you, then you put three title fights on one card. Like goodness gracious, man, the UFC. Yeah. Then White, he's he's clicking on all. He's firing on, on all cylinders for sure. All right, so we have UFC 257 tomorrow night. I, I am so excited about this. I, I mean, just stylistically, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier is as, as good as it gets. You also have Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, by the way. No big deal. Just two more elite fighters in this 155 division that is not only my favorite division in the sport, but I think hands down the best division we've ever seen in the sport, right? Has there ever been, I mean, six, seven, eight deep this talented, this this good in any division in the history of the UFC? I mean, these guys, all these guys, I think at any point could be champions. I mean, it just, you know, which way is it going to go on any given day? This is how good the, the division is. Tony Ferguson is your sixth-ranked guy. Dan, <laughs> Dan Hooker is like your seventh-ranked guy. And you, we've seen how good these guys have looked. Yeah. My, Charles Oliveira, he's not even the number one contender. I mean, this division is so deep. And then you have a such a dominant champion in, in Khabib. I mean, we don't know what he's going to do, but say he stays, just just thinking of all these hungry contenders and how they match up with Khabib, and to think like he's going for thirty and zero, 
who's going to be the one to end the streak if if there is one who can do it. So, I mean, from top to bottom, that division is loaded. And then there's still people coming up, like uh, Benil Darius, who got that big yeah. knockout. Uh, uh, Drew Dober and Carlos uh, Ferreira. Like, these guys are flying under the radar because the top of the division is so deep. So, uh, I mean, like you said, it probably is the, the best division uh, in the UFC's history. And to top it off, with Saturday, you got Poirier and McGregor. There's probably not a better matchup in the division, stylistically. I mean, how many guys in that division, like, just on their own, are, are main event names? Habib, Gaethje, Poirier. I, I don't know that Charles Oliveira would have been on his own before the Tony Ferguson fight, but I think that has solidified him as one of those guys. Connor obviously, is the biggest draw in the, in the entire sport. Tony Ferguson is in that conversation. You know, Dan Hooker is an emerging star. We didn't even mention RDA, who came back to the division and looked really good. Um, Michael Chandler is unranked, and we're going to find out what he looks like on Saturday. This division is awesome, man. Like, even if you take out arguably the greatest pound-for-pound fighter in UFC history, Habib, like I mentioned, you still have Gaethje, Poirier, Oliveira, McGregor, Ferguson, Hooker, Dos Anjos. I know that Nate Diaz has talked about potentially coming down to 155. Like... This is the superstar division. Absolutely. This is the superstar division. It's going to get the most eyes. I mean, and just with Connor, Connor's presence, that's obviously going to give you the most eyes. But then the styles of some of these guys, Poirier, Gaethje, they're all exciting. Ferguson, they're all exciting. Uh, Charles Oliveira, with what he did with, to Tony Ferguson, you know that he's uh, exciting. Then you got the champion, Khabib. Like, man, uh, from top to bottom, man. Uh, and then Dan Hooker. Like, he's had... Two fight of the year. And then you didn't even mention Paul Felder. Like, goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're slipping, man. Like, goodness. Yeah. Uh, these, the lightweight division is at its all-time high. And, I mean, Khabib doesn't know what he's going to do. But just if you put the title on the on the winner of these of uh, McGregor Poirier, I'd be completely fine with it. And Absolutely. You'd still have so, you, and you still have so many great matchups to look forward to. And even now, you still have so many great matchups to look forward to. I just hope that the division still has some movement after this um, after this night is over. Yeah. Uh, before we make our picks and, and kind of preview the card itself, uh, let's talk about the future of the division and obviously what Dana White said last Saturday. Uh, he had the big meeting with Habib as soon as he got to Abu Dhabi. And basically paraphrasing, he said that at this point, Habib's not motivated to come back unless he sees something special that really like gets him excited to to fight again what you know whatever that means however you want to take that here's what that meant to me if mcgregor wins we get habib mcgregor again and it's the biggest event in the history of the ufc Absolutely. if poirier wins then i think uh habib says you know what thank you guys but i'm 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 done i'm uh you know i'm gonna stick to my promise to my mother and uh blah 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 and i, I think he he vacates the title so I don't know. Look, I, I, this isn't anything against Dustin Poirier at all. I just don't know what the overall draw would be for a second Habib Poirier fight. Even if Poirier beats Connor, I, he's just, he's not that big of a draw on his own like Connor is from the personality standpoint. And the fact that we, we saw Habib dominate him so badly last year, was it last year or the year before? That would have been 2019. Is it, is it 20, okay, 2019. Yeah. Um, it, it, I just, I don't think there would be a, a giant, you know, group of, I don't think there'd be a big mob for a, a, uh, Habib Poirier fight. 
if there's a obviously if McGregor wins, McGregor is the biggest draw in the sport no matter who he's facing. So if you know if you if you add the fact that Habib beat him the first time that it's a title fight, like all these other things, obviously it's the biggest event that the UFC will ever host if if that fight actually happens. But I think by by just saying like he needs to see something special, it kind of gives you that ability to say, okay, Connor won, Connor impressed us, now this is the fight to make, or Poirier won. Habib already dominated Poirier. He's not the draw that Connor is, so you know it's time to move on. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if Connor wins, it sets up a really, really massive, massive fight between those two to the point where Dana's going to throw so much money at Khabib that Khabib's going to be like, you know what? Yeah. I'll, I can do this. I can come back for one more. But Poirier, Dan Hooker, I mean, Michael Chandler, they just don't they just don't do it. I mean, Khabib's the motivation for Khabib to come back and fight these guys who he's already beat, you know, Michael Chandler, if he hasn't beat him, but you know, how big of a name can Michael Chandler get in one night? I mean, right. of course, it's on a McGregor card, but and I'm sure that the fight's gonna be really, really special between uh Hooker and Chandler, but is that gonna be enough to get Khabib to be like, okay, I'll, I'll fight him? You know, you don't know. And then he's he mentioned that Oliveira's look good, but does that really get you out of yeah. bed? Like, is that really going to get you to come back? So, of course, we know that th- what Danis means is if Connor gets his, get, wins impressively, gets Dustin out of there in 60 seconds or gets him out of there in uh, an impressive fashion, then we know how big the pay-per-views was in the first fight. Right. I mean, imagine if Connor goes out there and knocks out Dustin Poirier – uh, calls out uh, Khabib and, and says something about his country or something, you, you know, something uh, crazy like he normally does, that gives you an a, a even bigger fight. So, um, you know, Connor says, like, that first performance that he had against Khabib was his worst, and that was Khabib's best. I mean, a, a lot of factors go into it. So, I mean, we'll just have to see, man. I don't think anything changes if these guys fight again, but look, I, I'm, I'm at the front of the line to watch it again, without a doubt. Absolutely. And I look, I, I would be at the front of the line to watch a Poirier Habib fight again. I mean, I, you and I are fans of the sport and we are like, watch it every week kind of fans. The problem Absolutely. is for the, you know, for the casuals and that's not a bad thing, you know, but for the casuals, watching Poirier Habib again is not a draw whatsoever. Watching Habib McGregor, is going to make casual fans buy a pay-per-view. And that's, that's I mean, that's the that's the game you're playing here. So I, I don't know if you saw the Habib interview about a week ago. He was asked about the fight. And he basically was like, eh, you know, whatever. And they said, would you want to fight either one of these guys again? And he was like, no, I have no interest. I, I He said something like, I smoked both of these guys. I have no interest in fighting either one of them. Neither one of them can compete with me. And then they were asked, like, well, then what would it take to get you back? And this was before his conversation with Dana. He says money. If Dana, like, offered me $100 million, then that would that would interest me to fight again. But these two guys, from a competitive standpoint, don't do it. Again, the reason why Connor's intriguing is because Connor can deliver the kind of interest that allows the UFC to pay Habib what he would want to come back. So that makes a lot of sense. And then I don't know if you've caught any of... Connor's comments this week and in, in his media availabilities, but 
He's mentioned Habib quite a few times, and he keeps talking about him running away from the division. And he, he uses the word scurry, which I absolutely love because it's so demeaning. But he, he, you know, he's like, yeah, if he wants to scurry away from from me and scurry away from this division and all this, like the writing's on the wall. Habib only wants to come back for money. Connor is kind of already starting to lay the groundwork for how he's yeah. going to promote this Habib Connor fight if he wins. I mean, it's it's the only thing that will happen if Connor gets it done Saturday night. Man, I didn't see um, that interview um, that Khabib did, but I have seen uh, some of the comments that Connor has made, and he's kind of he's kind of throwing throwing shade at him here on on one hand, but he's like, ah, you know, that's what he wants to do, you know, yeah. blessing to him, and family, you know, that type of thing. But you know, Connor definitely is laying the groundwork. Laying the groundwork. Yeah, he's, he's he's starting it off, and then once he wins. I think we'll really see it ramped up. Uh, if he's able to get Poirier out of there, especially in a spectacular knockout, that post-fight interview is going to be something to watch. I mean, that might be uh, bigger than the fight if Connor wins. Well, and Habib's that there. Interview, ooh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Habib's there. So Connor's, if Connor wins that thing, he's going to be in the middle of the octagon, and he's going he's gonna to know where Habib is, and he's going to point at him, ooh. and he's going to call him out. Like, that's how it's going to go down, I guarantee you. What what if, do you think Dana would would bring Khabib into the cage and they do like a face off? Like, do you think that those two would be able to do that? I don't know. I don't think they but, could. No. Yeah, I don't think they could either because you know their their teams like we'll probably have another brawl just like at the end of the first yeah. fight. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, so that's probably the only thing that's going to be able to get Khabib out of out of retirement. Uh, the rest of these guys, I mean, while they're great fighters, while this division is is very deep. We know that Khabib stands above all these guys. Yeah. He's he's gonna it's gonna be the same thing. I mean, if he wants to come back for one more for thirty and zero, I mean that's fine. But Connor's gonna be the only guy that's gonna give him the type of money that he's asking for. Right. If he's his is what he's after, um, Connor's the only one. And if Connor loses, he's out. Yeah, unfortunately. Although, look, if I I think that if if Connor loses and it's a great, I mean, I, I told you this. Poirier is one of my favorite fighters, and the reason is every time he fights, it's it's a fight of the night, fight of the year candidate fight because that's the style. He's just he's going to take a bunch of shots and he's going to land a bunch of shots, and it just becomes a war. So I, I think the one aspect of this could be where maybe Habib vacates the title eventually, and then they set up toward the end of the year a Habib McGregor fight that's not for a belt, and it's just you know the the two guys fighting. That's the one aspect where I could potentially see. McGregor losing and then, but I, 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 I mean, you can't give McGregor the title shot if he loses to Poirier. So at that point, I think Habib would probably have to vacate the title and then they probably set it up for like December, 2021. And that's how you close out the year. Or look, maybe, maybe it's January, 2022 and uh, you open it up big again, but it's the only fight to make. It's the only fight I think you can make for Habib to, to come back. So do you do you think that Khabib would would fight Connor if he loses to Dustin? I think that for, not, for the right paycheck, absolutely. Yeah, I see it, but but still, I mean, still, I don't think Khabib still wants to fight him. But I think that Dana is going to throw so, so much, much money, money at, him. at him. Yeah, he's going to throw so much money at him. He's going to be like, okay, right. But if he if he loses to Dustin, I don't think that. Khabib would give him that amount. I mean, I think there's just a little bit of respect that Khabib has for Connor. Like it's it's in there somewhere, a little bit. But I think if he loses to Dustin, like 
I don't, I don't think he does it if, with the loss. I don't, I don't think so. He's got, I think Connor's got to win, and he's got to win so impressively that Khabib can't turn it down. I mean, that's the only way, I think. Yeah, I, I just, Connor, Connor, win or lose, though, is going to be the biggest draw in the sport. Like, that's the, Connor's almost bulletproof from that perspective. Like, unless he, he goes out and gets knocked out in like eight seconds tomorrow night, Connor's just so bulletproof if, as far as his star power. That even if he loses, like, he's still the biggest star in the UFC on Sunday. Like, Sunday morning, if he loses, he's still the biggest star in the sport. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so, you're right. I agree with that. Yeah. Where with most guys, you lose, you're, you're just, you're out of it. Like, it's, you know, it's just, sorry, bad luck, you lost. Like, now you have to, like, fight your way back to that, that platform. But Connor is at the mountaintop from a popularity standpoint, win or lose. So, I mean, I just think he's in a unique situation as opposed to maybe anybody else. Yeah, now that I think about it, if Connor were to lose, I think they could market it in a way that, like you said, put it at the end of the year, December, yeah. January, kind of let the loss kind of resonate. Let, let Connor have a bounce kinda, back fight, like maybe July, get a win yeah, under his belt. Habib has vacated 155, and then they have a non-title fight, you know, like as a, just a, well, and then it just gives you another pay-per-view main event that's that doesn't involve belts. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, and that, that builds itself. Yeah. But then you you can build it as Khabib's last fight. Khabib wants to go thirty and zero. They have this history. Connor wants revenge. Uh, yep. Connor wants revenge. Uh, Connor's gonna sell it, you know, in his own way. We know how good of a seller the Connor is. So, I mean, now that you mentioned it that way, I'm I'm on board. I mean, I I'd still watch it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I I just I I think that Connor's star is just it it is it is so much bigger than just the UFC. I mean. Everybody knows who Conor McGregor is. Even if you've never watched a UFC fight, you know who Conor McGregor is. So, um, yeah, it's just a unique situation. And look, I, I think uh, Saturday night, we'll, we'll kind of have an idea as to what's going to happen. But if, if, if it doesn't go McGregor's way Saturday night, uh, you know, maybe we're replaying this in December and we're like, see, it played out this way. <laughs> it's mind-blowing to me, though, that Conor's only had two fights at 155. Yeah, and and it, that goes to show, man, because he's so he's such a good fighter, but he just hasn't had. He always talks about reps. He hasn't had that many reps at 155, and it makes me wonder how he's gonna look against a guy who's so seasoned at 155 like Dustin. Dustin's been in this lane, and he's had fight of the night, fight of the year candidates so many times. Like, if Connor doesn't go out there and end this thing, you know, within 60 seconds, like he says. And then this fight kind of gets more into Dustin's world. I mean, what what Connor are we going to see? So I mean, that makes it even more intriguing to me. But the two the two fights that he's been at 155, he won the title, and uh, he fought Khabib. So he's been in title fights. He's been in big fights right. at 155. So uh, this will be familiar for him. But I, I just wonder how he's going to look with a guy who's been so seasoned in these wars and who could potentially, you know, take these shots uh, and just keep coming. All right. You ready for, uh, for our pick them ready? Let's do it. Okay. Before we start, I I'm just going to ask you this question. You don't have to like, tell me who you're picking or anything. Do you know what point value you're giving the main event? Yes, you do. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, so before, before we start, I, I I don't know if you uh caught this story, but did you hear about what happened to Ot Otman Azatar? I believe his name is. 
I just saw I saw a tweet about it, so I don't have any context other than you know the like whatever two hundred eighty characters or however many Twitter is now. But uh, that he snuck somebody into the the bubble. Yes, he he him and his team. So none, none of his coaches were probably like, "This is a bad idea." <laughs> him and his team cut their wristbands off and gave it to someone outside of the bubble so that they could come into the bubble. And then this guy is running around in the hotel, basically dancing in people's rooms and going crazy. And then uh, Dana caught a glimpse of this, and he uh, cut him on the spot. <laughs> Send him home. This is the guy who was supposed to be on the main card of a Conor McGregor card, and he pulls this. I don't Unbelievable. Know. He deserves to be cut. That's all I got. What an say. idiot. Like, how, could you, how could you do something so idiotic? I'll never understand, but he deserves it. Well, and even if the guy wasn't acting like an idiot, I mean, these guys are having to go through so many quarantine stages just Absolutely. to get to the point that they can put these fights on. To sneak somebody into the bubble from that perspective, obviously, is... I mean, you're, you're, you're potentially putting the entire pay-per-view in jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. And if, just think if you would have came into contact with any of, the, uh, any of these stars or anything, and then the fight got canceled, like... Can you imagine if the guy had, like, just run into Connor in the lobby or something, and then Connor gets COVID, and they cancel the McGregor fight? Like, oh the biggest God. star in the entire sport... <laughs> That would be, oh my God. Dana White well, might actually commit a murder in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and most would UFC fans would, would probably yeah. like vouch for him. Yeah, and no, nobody would be upset. I think uh, everyone would be uh, probably have, having Dana's back on this. So, yeah, it, it, it's, just, it's just dumb. Like, why would you do such something so idiotic? Man? So You're, stupid. And, and you were on the main card. Like, they put... There's so many good fights on the prelims, and then they put you on the main card, which means they had some type of trust in you, and then you go and pull that. So, I, I'm sorry. I just had to ask you if you knew about that story, because I just thought that was so dumb. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really bad. Uh, and, and like I said, I didn't have any details other than just seeing the headlines. So. All right, here we go. You, uh, you have an eight... Two lead in our UFC pick'em. Big, big <laughs> week for uh, Will Brewer to open this thing up. So uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what way you go here because you you talked about having the lead and the ability maybe to roll the dice a little bit. So as uh, as our leader, I'm going to let you start this thing off with your one-point selection. For So uh, real quick, just a recap for those that uh, maybe didn't listen last week. So we have a, a pick'em going on that uh, is just going to accumulate over the year. And it's however many cards there are on the main card. So if there are, like in this instance, there are five fights. Each fight is worth a, a set number of points. So you get a one-point fight, a two-point fight, three, four, and five points. And obviously, it's confidence points, basically. The fight you feel best about, you're going to give five-point value. The fight you feel least confident in, you're going to give a one-point value. Um the main event has to be worth at least three points. So the main event can be three, four, or five. Uh, you can substitute one prelim fight for a card, for a uh, main card fight, but that can only be worth one point total. So, and then if you pick somebody that is plus 200 or more and they win, you get a bonus point. Did I get everything? I, I think. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Okay. I think we're ready. All right. So um, I start with my one pointer. I'm going to 
substitute um, one fight, and I'm going to put in uh, a prelim fight, Brad Tavares and Antonio Carlos Jr. Okay. I'm putting that uh, as my one in my one point slot, and I'm taking uh, Brad Tavares um, with my one point. This is a good. I, I, I'm looking forward to this fight. I think this will be a good one. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm confident in Brad. I mean, he's had some tough ones. He's fought some. Uh, like he fought Israel Adesanya. He fought uh, Edmund Shabazzian. He's fought some guys who are who are good, who are, who are who are tall. But Brad is one of those guys who's been a staple at the division, and he's kind of that guy that if you beat him, you know that you're one of the elites. So, but in this one, I think Brad. Uh, I think Brad has enough in the tank to where. Um, he can get uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. out of there. So I'm putting some confidence points in him, and uh, he'll be my number, uh, my one-pointer. All right. I, I went with uh, I went with a prelim last week, and then the fight got canceled. And uh, so I didn't end up getting a prelim fight on my, my picks last week. But uh, this week, I'm, I'm just sticking to the main cards. So no prelims for me this week. Um, although I am looking forward to that fight. I didn't really feel good one way or the other, or good enough to, to substitute. So... Um, I admire it though. All right, so my my one pointer is going to go to the uh, third fight on the card Saturday night at UFC 257, the women's flyweight bout between Jessica I and Joanne Calderwood, and I will take the number six ranked Jessica I over Calderwood as my one point selection, and then going into the two point selection, I'm going to go with. Uh, Man, I've gone back and forth on this one, but I'm going to go with uh, the middleweight bout, and I think I, I'm not even going to pr- pretend to know the pronunciation for sure, but I'm going to go Muradov over Andrew Sanchez. Yeah, man. Uh, so Is it Muradov, Muradov? Hey, your guess is as good as mine. Mahmoud? I'm going to go with you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, the I Caldwood matchup is very interesting because – they both are fighters who you know can be in the upper echelon of the division, but they kind of just lose that one fight that puts them over the top. Right. And Jessica I, she fought for the title. She she did get knocked out. It was very vicious. Valentina's just that good. Uh, Joanne Carterwood was supposed to get a title shot, but then she uh, ended up uh, – Valentina got hurt, so she took a fight with um, – um, Who's the 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 girl that just got the title shot? That uh, found oh uh, Jennifer Maya. She fought Jennifer oh, yeah. Maya and got submitted. Yeah. Uh, so that fight right before getting into that upper echelon of the division, they they both tend to lose. So in this matchup, which brings me to my two point uh, matchup between Joanne and Jessica, um, I was I was on the fence on this one. I kind of didn't know which way to go. But um, since you just because you went with Jessica I. Oh, OK. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I was on the fence. But just because you went with Jessica I, I'm going to go with Joanne Calderwood. I love it. I love it. I, I, will, I will go opposite. I'm with you. I thought this was such a close fight. That's why it's my one point fight, because I, I just think it's uh, it's going to be really good. And I, I, I wasn't leaning heavily one way or the other. Um, I think just in terms of when I've watched both of these uh I, I, I think I has just been a little bit more impressive for me, but uh, I think this fight could certainly go either way. So, all right, your number three selection. My number three selection. Um, that brings me to the first fight of the night between uh, 
Mariana Rodriguez and Amanda Hibas. Um, I like Amanda Hibas in this one. She's uh, she's she's a budding superstar. She's so nice. You can tell she's always happy. She always has this big smile on her face. But when she gets inside the octagon, you see the skills. You see how vicious that she can be. Um, she's she's great on the ground. Her last fight against Paige Van Zandt, she she uh, handled her on the ground and ended up, ended up uh, submitting her. So I think in this fight, it kind of goes kind of a similar way. So I'm taking Amanda Hibas with my three point. Very nice. All right. God bless. So I don't even... I, I've gone back and forth on uh, the Dustin Connor fight. So that's going to be my three-point fight, by the way. Because um, I just... Okay. I don't feel super confident one way or the other. Um, I, I, I think that both of these guys are obviously significantly different fighters than they were the first time around. Uh, especially Dustin. I think, you know, that was really the first time he was getting spotlight and... You know, the fight ended so quickly, and uh, I think, honestly, I think that's probably the thing that really motivated him to become the fighter he is now. He's been through big-time wars. Obviously, he's a guy that may not get a ton of, of spotlight. He's not outlandish, or, uh, you know, he's not going not gonna to wow you on the microphone by any means. But, I mean, he's just been through so many wars with Hooker and... Gaethje and Max and like every time he fights I feel like it's just a firefight um, I'm I'm really excited to see what he looks like against a Conor McGregor that somewhat seems to be refocused that obviously I think in the back of his mind knows that the Habib fight is next and I, I just wonder if Conor maybe overlooks this in any way I think Connor's going to try to. I, I honestly believe Connor when he says he's going to knock him out early. I honestly believe Connor's going to try to end this quickly because I don't think Connor wants to go five rounds in a fight with Dustin Poirier. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a bad recipe for this fight. I don't think he's going to knock him out in the first round. So I, I see this going the distance, and because I think it goes the distance, I'm going to go Poirier by decision. Whoa! Wow, Poirier! Wow. Man. And he's plus two sixty right now, so uh, that gives me a bonus point if it if it goes my way as well. Wow! All right, Man, and then uh, for my four pointer, I'm gonna go the co-main event: Michael Chandler making his UFC debut against probably the most unfortunate matchup that he could get for his UFC debut. 1,000%. I, th- I think that Michael Chandler's pretty good, and I was really excited to see what he was going to look like in the UFC against this level of competition. And this is by no means a shot at, at Michael Chandler. Unfortunately, I just think this is... Dan Hooker's just, I, I think, the, the perfect fighter to counter Michael Chandler. So uh, I like Dan Hooker in this fight. So uh, Dan Hooker's going to be your four-pointer? Dan Hooker is my four-pointer. Wow, okay, okay. So... I obviously um, wanted to take some risks, so I'm gonna make my main, the co-main in the main, my four and five right. pointers. I mean, these fights are so, these fights are so close. Like, might as well just go ahead and just see what happens. Roll the so dice a little my, bit. Yeah, yeah. Roll, roll the dice. Just see what happens. So my, my four pointer, uh, I'm going with the co-main, and I'm going with Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler. So, in this matchup, like you said. I just think that Dan Hooker is just out of everyone he possibly could have fought. 
Dan Hooker is probably the worst matchup for him. I mean, on the feet, uh, I think Dan Hooker will be able to will be able to hit him where Michael Chandler won't be able to reach him because Chandler's a lot shorter. And uh, the, in the grappling exchanges, if Chandler's able to close the distance, that's where I question where what Hooker's going to be able to do. But I like I like the odds of this just being a stand-up war for three rounds. And maybe possibly trickle in a little bit of wrestling, but most of the fight being a, uh, a stand-up war. And with that being said, I just like I just like Dan Hooker in this because yeah. his fight with Paul Felder. I mean, these stand-up wars with Felder and with Dustin Poirier. He almost got Poirier out of there in the in the second round. Like he let he was landing some combinations that were that were lethal. If he had another sixty seconds, he might have won that fight. Yeah. Yeah. Against the cage, give him not even sixty seconds. Maybe, give him another. Yeah, 30 maybe thirty more seconds. You're right. Thirty more seconds. Uh, I mean, he was he had a groove, kind of a, a maps type groove, where he's just going at him, and then maybe a knee or two probably would have got Dustin out of there. So, um, I just think on uh, in the striking exchanges, I just think Dan Hooker is more polished, and I think Dan Hooker will will win it. So Dan Hooker is going to be my four pointer. He was your four point. Yeah, you're, you're four point yeah he's mine as well. Let me ask you this about that fight real quick before we go on to our five-pointers. Do you feel like maybe there's any pressure for Michael Chandler to fight a stand-up fight in his UFC debut and kind of set the tone for how people view him and what kind of fighter people think he is? Because, look, the, the recipe for him, I think, in this fight, if you can get Dan Hooker down, is to get him on the ground. But... I think when you're coming over from, you know, a different promotion and you're trying to make a name for yourself, I mean, if you fight a five-round stand-up war and lose, I don't know that that honestly isn't a better situation than winning, you know, a a grinded-out, on-the-ground type of fight. So I almost just wonder going into this fight if, if Michael Chandler just feels like for the sake of making a name for himself or making, you know, a, a reputation for himself in the UFC, if he doesn't make it a point to do more stand-up than, than groundwork. Yeah, I agree because I think he understands the magnitude of this card. I think he knows the magnitude of, of this fight because you never know what could happen. Right. If he if he wins and then he could get he could potentially get a title shot. But if he wins and he just kind of lays on him for, for three rounds, that's not something that the fans like. That's not something that Dana likes. That's not going to get Khabib out of, uh, out of retirement. So... I think there's there is a bit of pressure on him that he that he feels that he knows that I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna see what happens with the striking exchanges. And if the, if it doesn't go well for him, I see that him trying to um, eventually try to get the takedown. Yeah. But I think at first we'll see a stand-up fight probably for the first round maybe, and then uh, if if he's still in there, um, I think he'll try to take him down uh, in the second round. Yeah, or if, or or if he's just getting pieced up to the point where I gotta get him down early. So, yeah, look, I, he's a smart guy, and and he understands how all of this works. And every time I hear an interview with him, I'm like, you know, this guy gets it. He he understands the the game. He knows how to play the game, and because of that, I that's kind of why I just I think that I I don't you know again. I'm not saying it's a bad style. I I just stand up wars sell more than you know laying on somebody, and and that's if if that's the kind of fighter you are, then I you know good for you. I'm not I'm not saying that that's not a a valid thing. I'm just making the point that 
what sells is stand up, and I just wonder if you know that that becomes a big factor for him. So, yeah, and a lot of his fights in Bellator were stand up wars. I yeah. mean, his style in Bellator was either kill or kill or be killed, right? In a, in a sense, there was a few times there where he mixed in some takedowns, but he had wars with Eddie Alvarez, with Ben Henderson. Um, I can't think of the of the guy who oh uh, Pitbull. So uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's used to these wars, but I think Dan Hooker, he's just so tall. Well, yeah, the matchup Atlanta. in this one dictates that he should be a little bit more on the ground, but I, he may oh, fight yeah, that exactly. again because of everything we're talking about. Yeah. It, exactly. So I think if he wants to be smart, I mean, and, and just kind of secure the win, grappling would be the best option for him. But if he wants to give the fans a show and uh, max, maximize uh, the crowd that's going to be watching uh, maximize everything like that, I think he'll have to go with the stand-up war and just see what happens. Yep. All right. Give me your five-pointer. Okay. My five-point, um, I saved it for the main event. Uh, I went with the... I'm, I'm so, I was so on the fence on this one, too. I was thinking about it all week. Yeah. Um, Connor beat Dustin in the, in the first round uh, six years ago. In, like, what, 60 seconds? Yeah, 60 seconds, maybe a little bit of like a minute and, a, and some change, yeah. but got him out of there. But you got you got to think back to the magnitude of the fight. These guys were young, hungry, talking noise to each other. And if, if Connor was to win, you knew that the rocket ship was going to take him all the way up top. And you knew if Dustin won, won he was going to be the guy to probably get the next title shot. So there was a lot on the line. And then Dustin, you could tell he felt the pressure because the guy that you see now, that's that's a completely different fighter. The guy that you see now. And then the guy back then, he, you could just see all the pressure. He was wearing it on his face in the weigh-ins, uh, going to the octagon, uh, in the in the in the face-offs. You could just see he was wearing all the pressure. But you know, now if you listen to him now, all the interviews that he does, he just seems relaxed. He's, he seems familiar in this space. He knows that he knows what comes with the Conor McGregor fight, but he's not viewing this as this is the biggest fight of my life. He's viewing this as this is another step for me to get to where I want to be, which is to be the champion again. And for me, that's one thing that I didn't like about what uh, Cowboy Cerrone, how he approached it, because he approached it like this is the biggest fight of my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is my biggest payday. Yeah. Like I'm so ready. Like you could just you could you could tell like he was feeling the pressure of the moment and it kind of cost him in the fight. But I really like how Dustin is is really calm, but you see he's intense at the same time. He's not engaged in any talking noise or anything, but you saw in the faceoffs how intense he was. I loved it. Yes. And yeah. That that's that face off in the ceremonial weigh-ins, like when you sent me that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so dude. The I'm hair so on the back of my fight. neck was standing up. I was like, "Oh yes!" Yeah, you you could tell how uh, how intense that he was, and I, and I and I like that so much. So now, it, it, and then it begs the question for Connor: like, how? What is your motivation to actually get this fight? This fight. We know what your motivation is outside of it. We know what's to come. We know that you're thinking about Khabib, but are you? Are you kind of overlooking Dustin, saying that you want to get him out in there in 60 seconds, you know, kind of dismissing him a little bit? So, with that being said, I'm at, I'm also picking Dustin. Oh! And uh, as far as... Wow, I did not expect that. As far as how 
as far as how it's going to go, um, how it, he gets it done, I'm not sure. But I just feel like I just feel like Dustin's gonna have it this time. I feel like um, he he's been in wars and he's felt Connor's power before. He'll be able to take it. I think he'll be able to take it better now that he's got uh, the weight on and he's felt some uh, power from some of these other lightweights. That being said, you know Connor's not your typical lightweight. You know he he's gonna his left hand is 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 lethal. And if he if Dustin gets caught clean, you know it could be a, a short night for him. But um, yeah, man, uh, I like Dustin's mindset. I like how he's fought the, uh, the the top guys in the division. He's he he's familiar with it. While Connor's, like you said, he's only fought twice. So I just think uh, yeah. we see. I think we'll probably see a war, and maybe Connor tires out, and maybe Dustin gets a submission. Yeah. I, I look, I'm I, I, you're going submission. I'm going with a submission. <laughs> that would be, that's the one thing I don't think anybody sees coming. Uh, but I mean, look, Connor, I, people don't, I don't know how many people realize that like Dustin came up as a jujitsu guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a lot of submissions on his record, but he, no, he, his, his base, I think is jujitsu. Cause he used to be a uh, thug jitsu. Like that's what used to be yeah. his thing. But now I think he's just so in tune with with his boxing and standing up and being in war. He's such a great striker, that, yeah. That his striking is just so elite that he's knocking these guys out. Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, um, he didn't get Max Holloway out of there, but I mean, you Max felt his power, and and I just think if he's able to withstand the early onslaught from Connor, that Connor will tire out, and uh, we'll see a fight that Connor wasn't expecting to have. Agreed. I'm with you, man. I think Connor's going to just do everything he can. And and Connor's so wild and unpredictable with where he'll throw strikes from that, like, Connor's a scary dude, I think, in the first minute of a fight. Because, yeah. you know, when before you've been hit and before, you know, you're, you're, you just don't know where it's coming from. And he's so awkward, but also so extremely athletic. Um, that, yeah, I think that first minute, I, from a, from a mentality standpoint, has to be pretty nerve-wracking but once you're able to settle in you know then I think you're okay but yeah I think there's there's a legit shot that I mean I'm not dismissing Conor McGregor in this fight by any means I I think that Conor McGregor absolutely could end this in 60 seconds I don't dispute that whatsoever I even asked you a week ago if maybe at this point Conor McGregor was maybe a little underrated uh and it was funny because I I was listening to the John Anik podcast yesterday and I heard Anik ask that same question like have we reached this point where as big a superstar as he is, are people maybe undervaluing like just how good he really is inside the octagon? And and I think that there may be a little truth to that because uh, he is he is a phenomenal fighter. The problem is he just hasn't you know he's not consistently done it in one spot for a long time. Uh, otherwise, you know maybe he's he, maybe he's the like two year reigning champion. I mean, who knows? Who knows what he would be if if he had just decided, hey, I'm going to stick in this weight division for this amount of time and just roll with it. Yeah, because he's always chasing that that next big thing. He's chasing, uh, when he won the featherweight title, he's chasing, he's chasing the lightweight title. When he won the lightweight title, I mean, he, he saw the potential of a Floyd Mayweather fight, yeah. which was $100 million, and he chased that, which knocked him out of the Life sport changing. For, yeah. for, for two years. But you can't, you can't dismiss his skill set because if you strip all that away, 
Conor McGregor is one of the most sophisticated strikers ever. Like, not even in the UFC today, like, of all time. He, and for an example, he started off the Dustin Poirier fight. The first strike he threw was a wheel kick. Or like, <laughs> right. Yeah, like, he went up to him, got in the stands and threw a wheel kick. And then his second strike wasn't a punch. It was a spinning back kick. Yeah. So that goes to show, like, he's confident. And when, he, when he's out there, he's so loose. He His punches are long. I mean, he's got really, really long arms. And his, his, his kicks always will set up his punches. So... He'll attack the body so much that he'll get you thinking about the body, which is what he did with Chad Mendez. And then eventually Chad Mendez was so tired from trying to avoid his power. But he's taking so many shots to the stomach that, you know, eventually he's going to have to, like, drop his hands. And then Connor's able to land his left. So you can't dismiss how good, how good of a striker that Connor is. The question has always been, what happens if you – if you're able to withstand the onslaught in the first round, round and a half, like if you're able to withstand that, what happens after that? Nate Diaz, for example, he withstood the onslaught. The first fight kind of got so tired that Nate was able to uh, submit him. And the second fight, same thing. He withstood the onslaught. Nate Diaz was able to get some rounds in there. And then at the end of the fight, it's a war. McGregor's bloody. uh, Nate is bloody. McGregor was able to uh, edge out a decision, but it was a war. So, and then uh, Khabib was another guy who withstood the onslaught. After that, you know, Khabib was just going to grapple him to death. And, you know, there was nothing that anyone could really do with Khabib on the ground. So those are the only times that we've seen Connors, you know, outside of that, you know, Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, uh, the first fight, they weren't able to take uh, Chad Mendes. They weren't able, they weren't able to take his power. So that's why I believe that Dustin, if he's able to withstand the power, he's going to be able to get him out of there because he's got so many weapons other than striking that Connor doesn't really necessarily have. Connor's not Connor's not that good of a grappler offensively. Like he, he can defend takedowns, but he's not going to be the one pursuing a takedown. And then on the ground, Dustin has really good jujitsu where Connor it's not going to be looking for submission. So I just feel like Dustin's going to be able to take this fight in the deep waters, and then uh, come out on top. Who's the more powerful puncher? I got to say Connor, man. Yeah, uh, agreed. Just with, the way, just with the way he punches people and just like, like Eddie Alvarez. I remember when he punched Eddie Alvarez one time. Eddie was basically out, but then Connor punched him again, and then like he kind of woke back up. <laughs> 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 yeah, like – like Connor dropped him, and you can tell like he was going, he was going out, like it was about to be over. And then Connor punched him again, and he kind of oh yeah. okay. And then he hit the ground, and then yeah. he was good. Like Connor's punching power is is something that we haven't seen for someone so small. And Dustin, while Dustin, he's a he's a uh, he punches really hard himself, but I don't think he punches as, as hard yeah. as Connor. I'm with you. Connor's I'm with you. power is outrageous. Did you see? Uh, I, I think. I, I think it was in the press conference uh, yesterday. They were asked about, you know, fighting without fans. And Dustin mentioned, like, not having fans in there made him even more focused. And Connor was talking about wanting to have the opportunity to do that because, and I think he said something like, I wanted to hear my punches whistle through the air. 
And like Dana White's standing at the podium and just like starts laughing because obviously, you know, Conor McGregor's like the only dude ever that's going to talk about hearing the the sound of his punches whistle through the air as he as he throws them. So, yeah, it was it was pretty amusing. Yeah, and and Conor with this with this fight with having fans there, I think that you couldn't have a fight. It just wouldn't be. It just wouldn't feel like a Conor McGregor fight without the fans. I believe. Yeah, because I just feel like the mystique of Conor, how big of a superstar he is, you have to have fans in, in the in the arena. I just don't feel like it would have been right if Conor walks out and there's no fans there, and he doesn't, he's not raising his raising his hands, and you see the flag, and yeah. then you see all the fans trying to go out there and touch him and stuff. It just wouldn't feel the same, you know, without the fans. So I feel like out of all the fighters, Conor's that one guy who absolutely just like needs the fans there. Yeah. But it would, it would have been interesting to see him without, but I think he needs him. How about Poirier giving Connor the uh, the hot sauce at the weigh-in? Man, hey, he's a, he's a man of his word. But, you know, Connor didn't have any uh, whiskey handy. But uh, Dustin said, I'm going to give you some of my uh, hot sauce. And Connor's like, I'd love to try it there, buddy. I'd love to try it. So gave it to him. Uh, I think that's great marketing, though. I think Absolutely. Because, like, with everybody who was watching the, uh, the weigh-ins and everything, like what? What did Dustin just give Connor? You know, uh, oh, it's his hot sauce. You know, I'm sure he's got a lot of people trying to buy that now. Yeah. So excellent marketing by Dustin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was funny because Dustin, you know, Dustin is just pretty much to the point when when he goes through all these like press conferences and stuff. And uh, he he at one point he was asked about the hot sauce and he was like, Yeah, I'll give Connor some of my hot sauce and then I'll let him try it Sunday morning. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Dustin, you came through. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was so corny, but I was like, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and I guess it's good that these guys are able to, with how uh, how much bad blood there was in the first fight, it's good to see now that they're able to still be this intense, knowing the magnitude of the fight, but still be able to strip that all away and still be like, man, I respect you. Right. I want to help you with your foundation. Um I want to help you with your hot sauce. I want to help you with your whiskey. Like it's good that these guys are are showing the respect that they both have earned. So that's a uh, that's a good element to this fight as well. But you know, they both know that once that cage door closes, all that extra stuff is no out the doubt. window, and they're and they're trying to knock each other's heads off. I can uh, I can promise you that there is zero chance I will be seated at any point in this fight. Like I just I I uh, <laughs> I'll be too excited. There's no way that I'm I'll be able to sit still. There's something that happens with me whenever there's a big main event and it's it's gotten so bad that it happens like even with any main event like as soon as the fight starts like my heart kind of goes into my stomach and i can feel it beating and then i get so nervous <laughs> i'm like okay what's what's about to happen so i can only imagine yeah how what's going to happen when connor and dustin fight just when just when the when they're when they walk to the center of the octagon and they're face to face Oh man, I'm just thinking about it now. It's gonna be insane, man. And then, just like you said, I'm sure I'm not gonna be seated. If I am, I mean, I'm gonna be, you know, nail biting. You know, just you know, no doubt. <laughs> think about what's gonna happen. So it's gonna be exciting. I'm ready for it. Um, this whole card, man, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I can't wait, man. Um, it, it's tomorrow. It, I, I, I've been. I, this feels like the longest wait ever because, like, it just you know, all week. 
we've been ready for it. And and then you go back to all the promos they showed last Saturday, and then having to go through the promos again this Wednesday, and then you know the the face off today. I'm just like, get to the fight already for crying out loud. Last Saturday seems like it was ain't years away. A billion it? years mean, ago. Yep. Yeah, because. Max had that performance just last Saturday. Yeah, and it feels six like it days ago. So long ago. It happened. It feels like it happened so long ago that now I'm thinking like, man, it took so long to get to this Connor fight when really it's it's only been six days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, man. Hey, give me your NFL picks this weekend. What are you thinking? Oh man, NFL picks. Um, I, I got word uh, actually before the show started that Mahomes was going to be there uh, fight or uh, playing for the for the Chiefs. Uh, so I'm oh, is that a, pick. is that a, I thought he was still in concussion protocol, but he's practicing. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I saw something that said that, uh, he said that he cleared it, but I don't think there's been any word from the, from the team officially, but I think, uh, he was asked if he was good and he said, oh, okay. yeah, I, I cleared it. So, um, I don't know if that's confirmed or not yet, but I, I heard that, um, from on Twitter from someone who well, said that they go. said, yeah. so so I'm hoping that he plays because you don't want the Bills to go to the Super Bowl beating Chad Hinn instead of, you know, beating the Chiefs at full strength. So yeah. um, I, even though I feel like that's going to be a uh, shootout, I mean, Josh Allen's arm and Mahomes' arm, they're going to be firing that thing. Uh, I think we're going to see a big score. I think we're going to see something along the lines of um, like a maybe a 45-42 type game where the Chiefs are uh, able to just edge them out because they probably had the ball last. So um, I'm thinking the Chiefs win that first matchup. But I'm really interested to see what happens in the second matchup because uh, I was telling you before, man, I'm a, I'm a big-time Green Bay Packers fan. I wore green today uh, to show my support for Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of my favorite players in the league. Um, he's going up against Tom Brady. Everyone's talking about this matchup with Rodgers and Brady. Uh, I feel like this is a this is a legacy game for him for for Rodgers because Brady's been that guy who's all, who he's always been compared to, but he hasn't had the accomplishments of Tom Brady. I think this this whole run, everything that's happened to him this year, all, you know, the Packers drafting the quarterback to you know everything, all the critics saying that he was going to be on the decline this year, to him having such a remarkable season, and then even in the Tampa Bay game to have such a bad game. And then all roads are leading to this matchup with Braden. So I'm thinking that uh, Green Bay takes it um, as far as how the game goes. I mean, in the it's going to be in Green Bay, so there's probably going to be snow and it's probably going to be really cold. I just think Rodgers is going to be familiar with that. But it's, it's, it's hard to bet against Brady, but I think in this instance, at this point, I think Rodgers is just going to have the, the upper hand, and I think Green Bay will win. I don't know what the score will be. I would be giving my I'm five points to the Green Bay Packers, by the way, if we were doing the similar situation. Oh, you, your confidence would be that? Yeah, big. yeah. I, I like Green Bay in this. I just think they're I think they're a significantly better football team. And then, you know, obviously we talk a lot about Rodgers and Brady, but, you know, I, I think people get caught up in, you know, arguing, like, who's the most accomplished quarterback in the NFL. And the bottom line is, I mean – Aaron Rodgers isn't facing the Tom Brady that's been to nine Super Bowls. He's facing a really good Tom Brady, but he's not facing the all-time great Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, of these two guys playing on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers is playing better football by, I think, a pretty significant margin. So, um, yeah, I I like the Packers quite a bit. 
Well, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because that gives me a little more confidence because I, I think that uh, for me, this probably would have been my three-pointer okay. if we're talking main events. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, uh, with the way that Tampa Bay is playing right now, they're playing so well. I mean, Green Bay is playing well too, don't get me wrong. But I just think when the, in the playoff setting, um, with so much at stake, you know, you, you never know how these teams will show up. Um, I'm hoping uh, that Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers show up and uh, they get the job done. Who's your uh, your uh, Chiefs Bills pick? Yeah, uh, Chiefs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you so we got the same picks there. Chiefs, uh, Chiefs, and Packers in the Super Bowl. The, the great thing is for me, obviously, Mahomes Rodgers is just the dream scenario for the Super Bowl. I mean, clearly the best two quarterbacks in the league. Uh, clearly, I, you know, I, I think if you just want to talk about pure ability. I don't know that we've ever seen two more talented quarterbacks in the history of the NFL than Aaron Rodgers and and Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, from that perspective, that's what I want to see in the Super Bowl. That said, when you talk about the least appealing matchup possible for the Super Bowl being Tom Brady versus Josh Allen, you're in a pretty good situation. Pretty good. So, pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think we're 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 set, man. We're gonna have a good matchup no matter what happens on uh, you know this weekend. I, I would be lying though if I said I wasn't gonna be disappointed if it wasn't a Rodgers Mahomes matchup, but. Yeah, we're good either way. I think both teams, especially if Mahomes is available, like for sure, then, then uh, yeah, I like Kansas City. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I like Kansas City and Green Bay. Uh, like you said, that quarterback matchup. I mean, I, it's, it's a matchup that we don't really see often in Super Bowls, the quarterback matchup being so good. I mean, lately we've had, like, uh, Brady and Jared Goff and um, Mahomes and... Um, Garoppolo? Second, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. So, like... Now uh, you get Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Holmes, and even even you could get Aaron Rodgers against Josh Allen, or you could get um, Tom Brady and Patrick Holmes. Yeah. Like, like you said, you can't. There's not a yeah. There's it. not a bad one. Like I said, I, Josh Allen, Tom Brady is probably the worst of the possible scenarios, and that's like arguably the all-time greatest player in NFL history against a guy that was a you know that's a MVP candidate this year, top five quarterback in the league. And I still feel like a matchup between those two guys, it'd be a, it'd still be a shootout. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, uh, Josh Allen throws that thing to Stefan Diggs and those guys like, and then Tom Brady with all the weapons that he has. I mean, you could still, you still get excited for that matchup, even though that's the, <laughs> the least, the, the worst matchup of all the four yeah. of the matchups. So it's good, man. We're set for a great weekend. Yep. No doubt. Uh, always appreciate it, my friend. We will catch up again next week. Obviously, you will be hearing from me over the weekend, and uh, I'm just ready for, for UFC 257. It'll be great, man. You'll be hearing from me also. Let's do it. <laughs> will Brewer joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and the new Delta 8 capsules. Visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off your online order. Again, abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody stay safe and have a great weekend.
the podcast is over.